One thing I found out that that's different between Doug and me, Doug can hear it thunder. I can't hear it thunder. I didn't know that it did. For those of you who have not been here, perhaps, uh, we have been in the book of Romans, looking at Romans, and we're in Romans chapter 12. A uh, week before last, we considered the first two verses of Romans chapter 12. Today, we're going to pick up with those first two and go through verse 6 as we talk about spiritual gifts in the church. I'd like to read the first three verses of Romans chapter 12. Paul said, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace of God given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Would you pray with me? Lord, would you help me today as I preach? Would you empower uh, the gifts that you've given to all of us, uh, Lord, because you are continuing to work through people uh, in this service and you will continue to work? Would you help us to hear from you? Would the results honor you and reflect your activity in our midst? So God, we pray that you would honor your word, that your word would be understood, that you would be the one uh, who would be glorified in this service and its results today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we looked at these first couple of verses of Romans chapter 12, and as Paul talked about the importance of laying down our lives as a living sacrifice, and I told you that the picture here is of a person leading the sacrifice to the altar. Uh, perhaps in the Old Testament, the sacrifice led to the altar to be offered as a burnt offering, to be spent, to be used up in the process of sacrifice. And we looked at, we considered the Greek word for burnt offering, which is an interesting word. Uh, and uh, I won't be able to pronounce it just right. Holocautum. Holocautum. The Latin word is holocaustus, holocaust. That's the picture you get of a burnt offering. Isn't it interesting that it's not the word from history that we, we think of that, that is important. It's the word out of the Bible that became the word of history that spoke of a historical event because it reflected something biblical. And so this is a biblical idea of you giving your life up to God. You saying, Lord, you use me. I offer myself to you as a sacrifice to be used however you would. Remember, it is that surrender that comes first. And out of that act of surrender, what Paul says is the next thing is you discover the will of God for your life. When you surrender your life to God, God reveals his will to you. You say, well, that's not how I want it to happen. I would rather God reveal his will to me first 
and give me an opportunity to see if I would like to respond to his will. But that's not at all the way God works. First, you surrender. Then God reveals his will. And the only way you ultimately know it is his will for your life is you exercise his will. You, you are obedient. You become obedient to his will. And in the course of obedience, you find that God's will is good and acceptable and perfect. It ultimately fits you like a glove. But number one, the first point in the message today is that the will of God for my life or for your life, for that matter, is a matter of God's grace. So let's say, did God call me to be a preacher because I'm the best person that ever walked on the planet? Did God call me to be the preacher here because I'm the best person in this church and he knew I was the best and most gifted person in this church? Not at all. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10 about how God chose him to be an apostle. He said, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So when you present yourself to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God in an act of spiritual worship, God leads you to his will for your life, and there on the altar of sacrifice and service, you continue to pour your life out to God. I said to people when I came here uh, six years ago, I said, I have come here to pour out my life. And that's exactly the way I see it. I want to pour out. I want to give away. I want to give away the gifts that God has given me. And that's what God has called us to do. And you'll notice now that this is God's will, not yours. The order of discovery is first you surrender. You lay your life down at the altar. Then God shows you his will. You surrender to him in advance, as did Mary when she said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it to me according to your word. So number one, the will of God for your life is a matter of God's grace. Number two, God assigns you a measure of faith to fulfill your call. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you say that it requires a greater amount of faith to be a missionary in some dangerous foreign country or to be a Sunday school teacher in First Baptist Church, Loosedale, to a group of adults? Which one requires more faith? I want you to think about that just a minute. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7, Paul wrote, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit in common uh, for the common good. And in verse 11, he says, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. So the Holy Spirit assigns the gift. The Holy Spirit empowers you for the gift. 
But in this passage of Scripture in Romans, interestingly, in verse 3, Paul says he gives you just the right amount of faith to exercise the gift. Now, what does it mean that he assigns a measure of faith? What does that mean? Well, some interpret this idea of a measure of faith is that it is is that it is a measure of faith that is to, that the measure of faith is the standard of God's word that the Bible is the measure. And so if if God calls you to preach that what you preach needs to be according to the measure, according to the standard, that if you prophesy it needs to stay within the parameters of the measure and never go outside the parameters of the measure. But there's another interpretation, and I like this interpretation a little bit better, and you'll see why when I, when I tell you. The word, the Greek word here that, that's translated measure is the Greek word metron, and it means a measuring rod or a measuring cup. And so what God gives you is he gives you the exact amount of faith that you need for the recipe, my wife cooks, and so we talk sometimes. Well, my mother uh, didn't measure things. You know, you had a mother like that probably. She didn't measure the amount of flour that went in the biscuits. She just grabbed it and threw it in there. And so, but at our house, we like to measure things and have the right measure. That way we know if you do that, it always tastes the same, you know, if you use the, the right measure. And so you've got to have just exactly the right amount of faith. So if God calls a missionary, he's going to assign the missionary the exact amount of faith they need to be a missionary. It's what it says. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. If he calls someone to teach Sunday school or to teach children at First Baptist Church Loosedale, he is going to assign them the exact amount of faith Necessary. He gives them the faith to exercise their call. That's what it's saying here. So he gives the faith needed for the moment. Now, you might say, well, I can't do what God wants me to do. I can't do what God has called me to do. Jeremiah said the same thing. But he did it because God gave him the strength to do it and the right words to say at the right time. Moses said, God, I can't do it. You need to get somebody else. But Moses did it because God assigned him the faith necessary to do it. God enabled him and empowered him to do it. God didn't choose Moses because he was better. Moses was chosen by an act of God's grace. Moses was empowered by the Spirit. Moses was given the faith necessary to fulfill his assignment. And when God reveals his will to you, remember, surrender always comes first. Then God reveals his will then God will assign the necessary faith. I'm telling you, when God reveals his will, it'll scare you to death. Lots of people have been scared to death about the will of God for their life. I remember my wife's oldest brother who on one occasion shared with us the story of praying in public. He was very shy and very afraid to pray in public. But finally, God gave him the faith that he needed just to be able to do that simple thing, 
to be able to pray in public. You say, it's not a very big thing. It was a big thing for him. And when God laid it on his heart that it was something he needed to do, it terrified him. But God assigned the necessary faith. Next, the gifts that we are given are as different as we are different. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, uh, or I'm sorry, I'm back to Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. We're in Romans chapter 12, verse 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 8. We've read the first three verses, now 4 through 8. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members, and the members do not all have the same function. So, though we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, not individually members of the church, we are individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So Paul tells us what gifts there might be, these varieties of gifts, same spirit assigns the gifts, the results are not always the same when we exercise our gifts, and because the results are not always the same, that sometimes can discourage us. Can, it discourages us. It discourages me from time to time. When I preach and there are no results, I use the measure of my faith, I exercise my calling, but the response is not what I'd hoped. So here Paul acknowledges there are a variety of results, but it is the same Lord who, are, who empowers them all in everyone. Let me illustrate from a recent event uh, in the country, in, in, in our own country. You'll know that on February the 8th, uh, in the chapel at Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky, uh, there was an outpouring of God's Spirit there. The preacher didn't know there was an outpouring of God's Spirit there that day. As a matter of fact, the preacher who preached was Zach Meerkrebs. He was the assistant soccer coach whose assignment it was to speak that day. And remarkably, he was speaking from Romans chapter 12. And as he spoke, he said, look, he said, we're here today for what God wants to accomplish. Let me, let me quote what he said. He said, I hope you guys forget me. But I also hope that anything from the Holy Spirit and God's Word will find fertile ground in your hearts and produce fruit. Romans 12, that's the star, okay. God's Word and Jesus and the Holy Spirit moving in our midst, that's what we're hoping for. So he preached. No one came forward at the end of the service, though. And he was convinced that he'd blown another sermon, as so many pastors are when they finish preaching. As a matter of fact, when the service was over, he texted his wife, just finished another stinker. I'll be home soon. That's the way he felt. That's the way we sometimes feel. A black gospel trio sang a final song and chapel ended. And 18 or 19 students somewhere, they're not exactly sure, 18 or 19 students stayed. Some of them were in one part of the chapel, some in another, some down front. Those few students stayed there in the chapel. But God was at work. And two weeks later, with the best estimates, 
there were 20,000 people who had come to Wilmore, Kentucky the last weekend alone influenced by what happened as a result of that service. The soccer coach who preached felt as if he blew it, but God was in charge of the results, and look at what God did. The, the gifts of the people at Asbury were as different as the people there, but when someone simply exercised the faith that God had given uh, to exercise the gift that he called them to do, the results were something that only God could do. But know this, the same thing could happen here on any given Sunday morning as a result of you teaching your Sunday school lesson or as a result of you exercising your gift to greet someone at the door or as a result of Doug exercising his gift to lead the music or me exercising my gift to preach a sermon or when some one of you exercised the calling of God on your life to share a word of testimony or something we've not said to respond to God and come publicly to the altar because God stirred your heart. You, oh, I could never do that. God will assign the measure of faith necessary to fulfill your call. Now we go back to what happened at Asbury. Who was responsible for that? Was it the preacher who preached? Was it the trio who sang? Was it the students who prayed? Who gets the credit? Listen to what Paul said. He said, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but think with sober judgment. He said, We are one body with many members. We don't all have the same function, but we are one body in Christ and individually members of it. Let's say you were playing a baseball game. And let's say you hit a home run. What part of your body would get the credit for hitting the ball out of the park? Would it be your eye that followed the ball from the pitcher's hand to the end of your bat? Would it be your hands that held the bat? Would it be your arms and your shoulders that swung the bat or, or your body, your core that, that helped you swing or your legs that stabilized the whole process? Which part of your body would get the credit? Well, no part of your body would get the credit. It's your whole body working together. And so when in the church, when we simply do what God has called us to do, each person, the person greeting, the person singing, the person praying, the person responding to God in whatever way God calls you to respond, God works in that. And he brings about the results that he wants to happen. Our gifts ought to be exercised with humility. Now so God gives us the gift and when God assigns me a particular gift, this is the final point, I'm to exercise the faith he's given me to fulfill my calling. When he reveals his will, I am to do it. I'm to be obedient. I'm to exercise my faith. But some of you have never done that. You've yet to lay your life down at the altar and say, God, I will do, I will be whatever you want me to be. So let me read you one more time, verses 6 through 8, and I want to read it from the New Living Translation. He says, In His grace, God has given different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. 
If your gift is serving others, serve well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If it is your gift to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, it says here, take the responsibility seriously. Paul said, do it with zeal. Be, be enthusiastic. Be on fire. Don't be complacent. Don't be lethargic. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Do these things. Be obedient to God. Finally, what, what will you discover when you release yourself to be obedient to God? Paul said up in verse 2, you'll prove what the will of God is. You'll prove it by doing it. You will find out that it fits you like a glove. That it is good. That it is acceptable. That it is perfect. It is what you were called to do. This is good and acceptable and perfect. Not for God, but for you. It's you. It fits you. There will be days when you serve and you won't see anything happen. But there will be days when the heavens open and God pours out results beyond your dreams. What comes first? Surrender. You surrender. And then God shows you His will. Let me give you an illustration, my favorite illustration of that. Everett was a young man searching for God's will for his life. He would eventually become a missionary to a group of islands off the coast of Africa, but before he knew he was to be a missionary, his journey in finding God's will began where yours should begin, and that was at the altar of his church. His dad happened to be a pastor, so he went inside the church where his dad was pastor and he locked the doors so that he could be alone. Everett took a pad and a pencil and on that pad he began to write a list of things that he would do for God. God, I will do this for you. God, I will do that for you. God, I will go here. God, I will go there. And when he finished his list, Everett Howard signed his name to the bottom and laid the list at the altar. And he knelt there waiting for God's sign of approval. He thought there would be thunder or lightning or some sign of approval from God, but there, there was none. So after a time of waiting, God spoke to his heart and he said, Son, that's not the kind of dedication I want. Just tear up that paper you've written. And he did. And then God said, This is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to take out a blank sheet of paper and sign your name at the bottom. You say, Brother Eddie, how did he know God was saying that? You know how he knew God was saying that. Sometimes you just know. Sometimes you just know that your effort is not what God wanted and you just realize that there's something else. And so that's what he did that day. He tore up the paper. He signed his name at the blank sheet of paper, at the bottom of a blank sheet of paper. And he laid that blank sheet of paper at the altar and said, God, I offer you my life as a blank page. No strings attached. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. And out of that act of surrender, God eventually revealed his will to Everett Howard. Surrender comes first. Surrender before you know. When you surrender then you will know what the will of God is. And as you're obedient to the will of God, as you step forward by faith and do what God wants you to do, 
one thing will be proved. Man, what God called me, I was made for this. It fits me like a glove. I was made to do this, called to do this. Will there always be great revivals that break out as a result of what you do? No, but you're just to keep on being obedient. And one day the heavens might open and revival might come. And when it comes, it won't be you. It will be you and the person who greeted people at the door and the person who led the music and the person who prayed at the offering time and the Sunday school teacher who taught the children during the service and the brotherhood guys who cooked the breakfast that morning. All the body working together, God will have used on that particular day. And somebody will say, man, that was a home run. Glory to God.